I'll be honest with you, rodeo season is about to kick off, and I am not a rodeo guy, uh, but I do like good cowboy boots. And Tacovas, well, they're all about rodeos, but you know what else they're about? Rock and roll. My best friend is a rock and roller. He's a guitarist. He wears these boots. It's awesome. Tacovas believes in Western for all, and you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. Offer to boot shine and drinks, yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. You can even get custom leather stamping or branding that'll make your boots truly one of a kind. Look up your closest store on Tacovas.com. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And Point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use the code TRUCKS at checkout. That's T-R-U-C-K-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter the code TRUCKS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, Only at Tacovas.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to TFL's Talking Trucks. Nathan, that's me, I'm doing the introductions today, and I'll be talking a little bit more than I normally do. I'm well, sorry for why, you guys. Why is that? Because your voice is shot. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, my voice is going out on me today, mm -hmm. but we want you. We want to bring you very, very timely and very, very important podcasts all the time. All the time. So Andre is biting the bullet, coming in. He brought his lucky rabbit's foot, and he has his very white voice all in tow to make sure that you guys are fully entertained and, most importantly, informed. Hello, this is Andre. <laughs> don't push it. Okay. okay. Yeah, don't okay. try not to. So in this podcast, we're <laughs> going to be talking about some flops uh, that automakers, truck makers, I should say, uh, have recently uh, sprung on us. And in many cases, these are, well, they can be many things. They could be actually the vehicle themselves, perhaps disappearing, perhaps before their prime, or it could be a component, say an engine or even a transmission. So we're going to be talking about a few things in this podcast. In addition, we're going to be talking about uh, Patreon and a little bit of news and we're going to start up, uh, I guess, right from the beginning with... Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't we kick it off with the first flop and failure, right? That's kind of what we're naming this. Yeah, we're going straight into this. So um, without any further ado, let's discuss Ram. Ram and Ford, actually. And Ford. And how about this? How about we discuss the half-ton trucks and the failure of Rams and Ford's small diesel engines? That is a good idea, and that's because it has happened, folks. Uh, the Ram EcoDiesel and the Ford Power Stroke uh, for the three-liter are no more. Yes, and they had very different, uh, very similar uh, configurations. Actually, they're both three-liters. Yeah, they're V6s. both V6s. Yeah, they come from different walks of life, mm -hmm. but GM won this one. Uh, completely with their straight six Duramax three liter that's still on sale, and GM is expanding the, the use of that engine across all of their big truck and SUV lineup. Now, while 
all automakers have a engine that they can really, you know, hang their uh, hat on. I would say, and I think Andre, you agree with me, that out of all the powertrains that are available on the half-ton Chevy Silverados that we've driven, just just the Silverados, I'm mm-hmm. not going GMC, um, that diesel is one of the best. Just the most flexible, yeah. remarkably efficient, and super powerful. Just a great engine. And then when you com- and we've compared them directly, you can watch some of the videos. Go all to uh, alltfl.com or to tfltruck.com. Um, but the thing is, is that the Ram EcoDiesel was really efficient, but it had some issues, recalls, and a whole bunch of other things in the past, right? Oh yes. Um, and we, when we drove one, in order to get the very best mileage, uh, we had to drive a specifically set up Ram, right? Um, in order to really get the most efficient uh, highway mileage with this thing. And it just didn't feel quite as flexible or as powerful, frankly, as the Chevrolet powertrain. The Ford was a disappointment across the board. And I believe the Ford powertrain was also used in uh, Land Rover vehicles as well, right? Right. It kind of came from the Land Rover um, lineup, mm-hmm. right? So, But this is a huge bummer. Right? Right. Why is this? Because... I think a lot of enthusiasts of pickup trucks, and you and I mm-hmm. included, we really were rooting for smaller diesels, right? Initially, yes. And this goes back almost a decade or more, mm-hmm. right, in time. And finally, Ram, I believe it was 2015-ish, when the first EcoDiesel 3-liter came out, right? Yeah. And I remember this very vividly. It was you, Roman, and I, and a couple of folks from Ram. Mm-hmm. I believe, yeah, maybe Nick Kappa from Ram was there. Yep. And we ran eye gauntlets, and mm-hmm. we did super heavy testing. Yep. And that Eco Diesel, when we first ran it, set the benchmark for the efficiency on the Ike. Remember it, this? It, it was did. like six six MPG towing yep. up the mountain. We were so happy, and then boom. And then. Ugh. And then. And then the emissions right uh, regulations came in, and there was some. Um, Ram just a is whole lucky. number of things. Actually, I should say Stellantis and former FCA is lucky that. Dieselgate came out first with Volkswagen, or else this would be much bigger news. But Ram, uh, specifically Ram, really, because they were the ones primarily using this powertrain. Yeah, Jeep used it as well, of course. But, um, I mean, it was a big deal to be used in their pickup truck. And it got hit with some serious penalties. And they had to do a lot of scrambling in order to get this powertrain to make it through emissions properly. We're not going to get into the politics of this or anything else. but We've this, done that before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the point is, is that that powertrain, it once it went through that, it completely changed. And there were a lot of uh, owners out there who were not happy about having this, to have their vehicle reflashed and run poorly by well, comparison. Well, because when that Ram engine was reflashed, it lost... Performance, really. And, yeah, almost and, across the board. Yeah, and it lost some of the, um, like the pedal feel, right? There was a delay <clears throat> in the pedal. So then people tried to get rid of the delay with other devices, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. So it was, you know, the Ford F-150 diesel, the three liter, it was a little bit underpowered and yeah. not super efficient. So no. I wouldn't say it's a awful engine. I don't think it's an awful engine. It, was ju- it just wasn't meeting the expectations when you saw it next to the Duramax, that that's my opinion. Well, I think the you know the other thing it got it killed kind of quickly in my mind mm. was the hybrid. When, when the yes. hybrid, yeah, yes. when the hybrid came out, the numbers you look at the numbers they are eye watering, and then you look at the diesel and like, well, that that premium for the diesel, which was quite a bit, 
um, it doesn't make sense now. And, you know, you got this hybrid and it's running on regular fuel. And back then, especially regular fuel was a lot less expensive. It, well, I mean, compared to diesel, it was just, it didn't make sense. That was really it. It just didn't yeah. make sense. But there's a, another problem. I want to go back to the, uh, uh, the Ram Eco Diesel real quick. Okay. And, because it was also in the Jeep Gladiator. Yes, which and, is also now no more. Right, exactly. Yes. And I wanted to add to something there. I was really disappointed by one major thing because it was a torque monster, right? But did it tow anymore? So first of all, no. no. And also in the Jeep Gladiator, by the way, that's part of our new segment as well. Mm -hmm. In the Jeep Gladiator, it decreased your payload. Yes. Because the Gladiator already didn't have a lot of payload. No, it wasn't great, and but there's that heavy uh, engine. Yeah, and then you put that engine in there, and you had like a thousand pounds of maximum payload. Well, depending yeah. on the model, I think. Yeah, there or trim a, level. Yeah. But that's still very low payload. Oh, for, it's terrible. For, for a truck are, like are this. you kidding me? My, my little Santa Cruz has like almost 1,700. Okay, we're not going to compare right now. And we'll talk about Santa Cruz later, by the way. So... My issue was, if you're going to put a diesel into any truck, you should be able to tow more, in my mind, than the equivalent gas engine, because diesels are known for having more torque, and they're usually happier towing and cruising down the highway at low RPM and whatnot. And yet, when I saw what the numbers were with the Gladiator, I was stunned to see that that was almost... a it was pretty much the reverse because even though the towing remained the same as the uh, V6, the regular gas V6, you lost payload, so you weren't towing as much, not not realistically. So it it was like the only thing you're getting now is a torquey powertrain that has better range, but otherwise, for the amount of money you were paying for that diesel, it made no sense to me, and I was really upset about that. Yeah, and this news came out just a few days ago that. The Jeep Gladiator Eco Diesel um, last call, once again, last call. Um, um, is here. So after about a few months from now, you will never be able to buy another diesel Gladiator. Yeah. They called it the Far Out. So this, um, it's a fun name, right? Far Out from Easter Jeep Safari. Yes. Um, they've used it in some concepts before. I love that name. But what I don't love <laughs> is that the price on this... Is also Far Out. It's Far Out. <laughs> It's a pathetically expensive price. And hence the thing with all Jeeps, really. Overpost. Oh, my God. That's more than I thought. It's Seven, fully loaded. 71790 For the far-out edition of the Gladiator. Basically $72,000. Yes. To buy a diesel Gladiator. Yes. Well, guys, um, if you really wanted a diesel Jeep Gladiator that tows no more... Uh, than the regular V6, which would cost you probably thirty thousand dollars less. Then there you go, enjoy. Wow, I'm I'm I'm, I'm as, as I said, so frustrating because I know I know it could do better. But anyway, so that's the whole thing on the diesels. We are saddened by the fact that Stellantis and uh, Ford have killed off their diesels on their half tons and midsize trucks too. Um, Chevy, well, GM. GM seems to be the only one standing that currently is doing it. Not only that, but they've also recently updated that powertrain, which is more efficient and more powerful now, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and kudos to them. By the way, Nathan, I did take a COVID test this morning. Yeah. And I'm negative. 
I took a pregnancy test and I'm negative. Oh, that's good. Just to let you know. So we're good. Okay. Um, so I want to thank some of our Patreon supporters. Yes, let's can, do that. Can I, can I do that? Absolutely. Okay. So patreon.com slash TFLcar is our only way to support us mm-hmm. here at TFL Studios and supports, you know, any number of our efforts. So thank you very much. Uh, recently, Colbim, Ian Grieven, and Ken Lewis supported us. So thank you guys very much. Thank you. And also we have a question from Ian. How about we hit it now? Let's do it, Ian. So Ian um, has a question. Ian had a 2020 Ram 1500 Warlock. Mm-hmm. You know, the classic. Oh, yeah. And he decided to switch what he's doing, and he got a 2019 VW GTI. Oh, okay. He really switched it up. He really did, yeah. Yeah. But this kind of brought up a question, because he recently went on a trip with his son, mm-hmm. and, um, and his turbocharged... GTI VW hot hatch it says it could run on either 87 octane or 91 octane. Mm. He tried both and he saw a variance of fuel efficiency mm. between the different octane levels. Ah. And he says, Andre and Nathan, will you consider to do an MPG loop to explore this subject further like you did with the stubby Ram truck? That's not a bad idea, but I do I do know one thing, and this is based on previous experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are going to a lower octane, especially with turbocharged engines, which are much, uh, much more sensitive, um, you have a knock sensor. And if the knock sensor is kicking in, if you are having issues, you will run less efficiently. It's just, it, you will. Um, Different engines behave differently. And it's one of the problems with doing a test like this is that it, we're, it depends on if we're doing like a, a Ford, let's say, EcoBoost mm-hmm. versus uh, a big Hemi. You know, it, it, right. it, it makes a big difference, I think. So um, some vehicles run just as efficiently on both grades and some don't. So I think what we need to do is discuss which vehicle we would actually use as a test bed to really see this scientifically, what the differences are. And if you look on the internet, you're gonna see certain things based on octane. Remember that um, some vehicles are built to run on higher octane, and then when they go on the lower octane, all they do is degrade themselves, or derate themselves, I should say, by a few horsepower. And really, that's your only major difference. Um, But efficiency, that's gonna be a tough test. Um, I I wanna second everything you said. Um, I wanna point out, so, some high-performance engines, like 6.2-liter V8 mm-hmm. in the GM trucks, um, supercharged engines like the TRX sure. or the Ford Raptor R, turbocharged engines like the EcoBoosts, or even my Chevy Colorado, mm-hmm. right, uh, which is also kind of a high-strong 2.7-liter um, turbo. Mm-hmm. Those engines are sensitive to octane yeah, because of higher compressions or just more air they're pumping through or uh, tighter tolerances, or also high temperatures like in the summer, right? They're very sensitive to that. So it's also logistically difficult to test this because you have to drain a tank. Almost completely. Fill it up with different octanes, run it again. But how do you do it with the same environmental factors, right? So this is not an easy test for us to do. We would have to get two identical trucks. With this, I mean, and then run one solely on one and one solely on the other. Make sure that the right. weights are exactly the same. So first of all, it's logistically challenging. It, it would be really rough. But also, um, we should pick one of those engines we just mentioned. That's exactly what right. I'm saying. Because a right, naturally aspirated V6 Gladiator probably won't care as much. I don't think it would care at all. Yeah. 
Um, nor would like a, a 5.7 liter Hemi. I don't think it would care. Uh, but turbocharged engines, supercharged engines, I think would care. Mm -hmm. And even if they say they can be run on other octanes, most of those, most engines, even I think the 5.6 liter uh, Titan V8 says that it'll can drop. Can run on both, yeah. Yeah, but it, I think it drops a little bit in terms of uh, output. Um, doesn't it? But I don't know, but yes, of course, 10 horsepower. 10 horsepower. But the don't state efficiency drop. No, I don't think, I, right. and that's the thing. So perhaps that's worth looking at if we can get a loaner of two Nissan Titans, which may or may not be very easy right now. Yes. Um, so we'll, we're going to look into this. Um, you know, we'll talk about this. Now you got Andre's little mathematical brain working as yeah. such. It's going to be chewing on the numbers and de debating whether or not. I do think that having two identical trucks would probably be the best. Although some of you guys might be saying, well, that still doesn't mean that they're both running exactly the same way and whatever. Tire pressures, et cetera. Exactly. Et cetera. We will do our best. If this is the case, if this is how we decide to do it, we will do our very best to make sure that they're running at the same time. So that way, the um, at least the environmental conditions are the same mm -hmm. and that the weight's on the inside. So the same driver, same passenger um, or similar driver, similar passenger in both vehicles, something along those lines. We will try it in the future if we can. That I so, assure you. Many more sleepless nights, I would say. Exactly. Uh, thank you very much, Ian. Oh, no. And, and I'm, I'm glad you're taking care of this and not me. So uh, it's on your plate. <laughs> well, let's move on to the next flop and failure, shall we? Yes. And this is something that has happened to several, um, I don't know, I don't want to call them all vaporware because they weren't all vaporware, but some of them were. Uh, but these are builders, automakers, truck builders that have utterly failed. And or may fail. Yeah, or not doing very well. well yeah, and, that's the may fail part. And, and this has to do with being a brand new manufacturer, mm -hmm. right? So we've seen this in recent years, of course. Um, and I want to focus on at least, what would you say, four manufacturers? Yep. How about four? So Lordstown is one, recently f uh, filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. I, in some ways, to me, that's the biggest failure. Because they actually had a, you know, a dedicated factory. They actually had people who received their vehicles, not us, but others who customers have received, yeah, customers have received some of their vehicles. And man, this company from the very beginning, everything from the design of the vehicle to doing certain PR stunts that went poorly, um, all the way to delivering a product that wasn't ready for prime time. Yep, that's the, wow, you have it right there. So the picture that Andre's showing, for those of you who are listening, is their somewhat race-prepared Baja truck, which did not even finish half the race. It did horribly. It just fell apart. So really, this item on our list has to do with startup electric pickup truck manufacturers. Yes. And launching a new company like this is a humongous task right it is and monumental you, task you know there, there are winners and losers obviously and there's a lot of, i'm sure you guys can name hundreds of companies between cars and trucks that have tried to start up and have failed however these have happened recently and in addition we have some personal experience with some of these including bollinger yes and in bollinger's case you went out not once but twice if i i believe well, we were there. TFL's been there along the way with Bollinger from the very beginning. But let's describe, let's tell them what Bollinger <laughs> is. Bollinger uh, was building both an electric pickup and an electric SUV 
that looked like they were made out of scaffolding. They were very, very flat paneled. If you think that the uh, Grenadier looks like it's got flat panels, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, and this is a company that built some prototypes to their credit and even brought Andre out there to ride shotgun, I believe, in one of their prototypes. Am I correct? Yeah. And um, this is a tough one because I, I've been in their factory and their facilities in, in Michigan, mm -hmm. near Detroit, and I really, really became friends with a lot of the, these guys. I'm sure right? you did, yeah. Including Robert Bollinger himself. Mm -hmm. um, but one reason or another, they never produced the B1 pickup truck and the B1 SUV. Mm -hmm. Even though, I mean, you could find this square shape, you know, endearing in some way. Right? I don't if, have a if, problem with it, if per you, se. If you like that type of thing. It's just, it's... Um, and perhaps this makes it easier for, you know, going through production and actually building one of these things. But the reality is, is that they had some prototypes, but they never made it to production. And then they switched gears to commercial, like, vans and vehicles. Yeah, and I think they sold, they were sold, right? No, or no, no, out? no, no, no. Um, so, so this is a little bit funny. So they announced postponement or cancellation of their B1 line. Right. Right, and the B2, I think it was called B1 and B2. And then they said, we're going to focus on commercial vans and vehicles, so larger vehicles for commercial right. use. And somebody came to them and said, oh, by the way, what if we purchased your rights to the B1 and B2 and run with it? Mm -hmm. so, so it was a weird situation where yeah. Bollinger was continuing with their, you know, with their goals, and somebody else wanted to jump on this project as well with them and for them. And now they're still trying to produce their first commercial vehicle. So it's still not there. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Right. And it's on, on it's, both fronts. It's, it's been there. it's been a long road. It has been. And we have had no updates from them at all about anything. So, you know, realistically, I could say that there it's been a failure, which is a shame because it the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. Now, this next one, which is pictured behind Andre, they have so much potential and they really could carve their way into the future. However, there are some serious problems with the business itself. 
Yeah, we're talking about Canoe. So Canoe showed us during COVID mm-hmm. um, amazing prototypes, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, I think they're also boxy, but really handsome, makes sense. They have also electric. Um, they have many different good things about them. I actually went for a ride in one at yeah, the recent uh, show. Very popular video too. Yeah, and and this is their kind of a people mover. So they have both concepts for little minivans, little pickup trucks, but also delivery vehicles and larger delivery yeah, vehicles. Yeah. So, but once again, they're struggling to get the factory off the ground and actually producing these and delivering these trucks. They have investments, both from private and from the government, um, and they've been working their way towards getting production going. However, uh, despite the fact that you've seen them with TFL, I believe TFL EV was the one who carried that video, yep. and even Jay Leno and some other guys out there who have had an opportunity to either drive or ride one of these things, there's a reality, which is that the production's not there, and investors are getting a little nervous Considering the fact that their stock is currently trading at the time of this broadcast at it's like 40, forty-seven cents a share, way which under. is on Nasdaq, that's below the dollar line. Exactly, and you know they're on notice of being delisted. So if they get delisted, then you're going to have a serious problem with your investors, uh, especially going forward, because the most expensive component of this is actually getting production going, and it hasn't happened yet. So. If they get delisted, will that happen? It's pretty doubtful. So as awesome as their products look and as finished as they look, they're not there yet. And they're at a point right now where at least their stock is really cheap if you're interested in investing. But the other side of it is it may go away. So something to keep in mind. Um, Out of all of the ones that we're we're talking about, that's probably, to me, the one that hurts the most. But hopefully, hopefully, they'll find a way to maybe have at the at last moment pull up and um, manage to get it going. I would love to drive some of those vehicles and test them out. Yeah, exactly. Why don't we either go to Oklahoma where some of their facilities are uh-huh. or they can bring a vehicle here? So Canoe, uh, yeah. and all of you guys, actually, the invitation is open, right, for more testing. I would be willing. I know that their budget's limited. I'd be willing <laughs> to drive out there and see their canoe in, in person. I wouldn't force them to pay us to come out there like some people would, and uh, we would definitely do it on our own dime if, indeed, they had a product for us to test. Okay, there is one more on this list. Uh, Nicola. So this, we could spend an entire show talking about Nicola, Man, but we won't. problems. Um, but they recently <laughs> had a recall. I mean, they're just getting off the ground. They're delivering some semi-trucks mm-hmm. that are either hydrogen, fuel cell-powered, or even beginning, they're using batteries as well. Yeah. I'm rooting for these guys. They're based out of, you know, Phoenix area, Arizona, mm-hmm. and, but now a recall. Yes. Now, we know uh, some personal people actually from Nissan who actually went over to Nikola recently, and so they, they have talent working for them. That wasn't necessarily the case in the past. Uh, if you just want to look up some really interesting things about Nikola, you go ahead and go to tfltruck.com. We have a lot of stories uh, that aren't great about Nikola in the past trying to build a half-ton Uh, battery-operated pickup trucks and whatnot, and also certain types of vaporware. However, that is in the past, and they are actually building vehicles. And I really like the idea of their hydrogen uh, battery semi-truck. To me, that is the most logical uh, way of using hydrogen in a vehicle. 
passenger cars, we're just not there yet. Uh, I don't think we'll be there for a long time, but a truck is different. And Toyota agrees because they've been developing, and Hyundai, I believe, have been developing their own semi-truck hydrogen usage for electricity. With that being said, this uh, recall, it doesn't look good for them. Uh, hopefully, it's a minor recall, and they're going to be able to turn it around quickly and get it back out there. And with that being said, semi-truck electric vehicles are very difficult to pull off. You may have seen several posts of Tesla semi-trucks being towed away. Um, yeah, they're because being they kind of bricked or stopped. Or, exactly. Yeah. So keep that in mind that, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing, man. These trucks have to pull an awful lot of weight. So keep that in mind. And we're going to move on to uh, the next one. Yeah, which is not a huge flop. It has to do with the little aspect of a truck, right? Mm-hmm. So the truck itself is successful. Yes. We're talking about the recent Toyota Tundra. That is correct. But it has a couple of elements that are not successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so noticed how, that immediately. How about this? So first of all, it's their some of their strategy with Toyota subscription service. Mm-hmm. And also the lack of tow hook. We won't beat this over the head too much, but I wanted to point out a couple of things. So a lot of manufacturers are doing this, right? Yeah, even they're, Ford's announced recently that they're going to be doing some sort of subscription thing. And German manufacturers are doing this. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of different manufacturers are trying to figure out if there is certain additional services you can put on top of a vehicle that will um, consumers will find valuable and they'll pay either monthly or annual some sort of subscription sure. for. But I think Toyota had a rough start at this. So they, at first, there was some news about their remote start feature on their key being a separate subscription item that you would have to pay for. Right. But it's kind of like we've had it on our keys for years with different manufacturers. So you can't put the genie back into the bottle, right? The genie is already out. Um, And, you know, BMW tried this with their heated seats. In yeah, Europe. overseas. Yeah. yeah, not here, but yeah. in other markets. Um, once again, it's a, the genie's out of the bottle. We've had heated seats for decades, so you cannot put it back. I, I would say if you want to find a wonderful way to alienate the people who are willing to buy your cars, more importantly, fanboys for your particular automaker, do a subscription and see what happens. Because <laughs> with components that we're used to having as part of our huge amount of money that we've already spent on this car for you to go hmm, let's find a new way to try to make money off these suckers it is i think absolutely inappropriate now with that being said there are some services out there that perhaps in addition to the vehicle itself that makes sense to have a subscription and one of them would be like xm satellite which i by the way pay for um, so, so there's a couple more examples I can suggest. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, and this goes to Toyota or many, any, maybe any manufacturer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, had, I, I was, I've been thinking about this for a long time. So, so for example, you know, maybe a remote start is not a good one. I think um, it's a terrible it's idea. Totally not a good one. But what is a good one? For example, GM will be charging additional money for their Super Cruise or Ultra Cruise self-driving technologies, automation technologies, Mm -hmm. right? So those are highly advanced technologies, I think, that some people will find a lot of value in. Let's say you're commuting for a major city. You don't want to be paying attention 100% of the time. You want your vehicle to kind of scoot you along. Sure. Maybe it's really valuable for you, so you want to pay a little bit extra for that. 
that's okay with me. Another one is a lot of manufacturers are going retro with certain aspects of their vehicles. Like the Mustang has retro gauges yeah. in their new digital cluster. So. How about bringing back old Toyota gauges, Toyota truck gauges, and offering a small subscription? Hey, if you want a different skin for your gauge cluster in your system, you pay us a few dollars and we'll custom build you some gauges for you. Yeah, and then you pay for it monthly or annually. And then, yeah, you know, or maybe you can switch it up from 80s to 90s or whatever. Yeah, you know, and, and make that part of the subscription service. Yeah, Roman, Roman was in the same uh, boat with that one. I don't mind that stuff at all. But for practical things that are, in many cases, almost a necessity, especially if you live in snow country, having the, the ability to have the vehicle start and, uh, you know. Warm, Remotely, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, but having to pay for a subscription for that basic need is absolutely ridiculous. And the same goes for, some people said, uh, like GPS systems. No, I, I don't think that's, considering that you're, you're already paying a subscription service for most of your phones, and your phones talk directly to the vehicles, I don't really see why that would be even necessary, honestly. But regardless, there are some places perhaps where it works, but Toyota's First idea was a flop. Yes. Let's move on. Yes. And this is a big one. So this has to do with many manufacturers, but a particular segment of their vehicle lineup, which is small to mid-sized vans. Man, they got slaughtered. I mean, just... What is the deal? Within, within like four years, they've all disappeared. All of them. <clears throat> so let's name them. Let, let, let's see what, what, what we mean here. So what we mean are, uh, for example, Ford Transit Connect. Yep. Ram Promaster City. Yep. Chevy City Express, mm -hmm. which was also related to the Nissan NV200. Completely related. Yeah. Yes. Well, it was the same vehicle, basically. It, yeah, it was. And both of them are gone. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, well, Mercedes Metris is also discontinued after this model year. That's correct. For 2023. Yeah. What is up? Why is American public or consumers are falling out of love with smaller vans. I'm not, I'm not seeing this. It's it's a difficult thing for me to fully understand because the background I come from, I've had a lot of friends who have become, you know, plumbers and carpenters and what have you, and they adore small vans or or half ton, mid size, you know, vans. These little ones are fuel efficient, maneuverable. Most of them will fit in your garage. Or any parking structure, right? Yes. And all of these things make them so ideal for a lot of these small communities. Um, granted, you know, if you have a giant company and you need to haul tons of lumber and, and large components, then you want a larger van. That makes sense. But these little vans really do the trick for a lot of things. And I've seen a lot of them on the roads here, <laughs> at least in Denver. So to me, <clears throat> they're, they're axing them. just doesn't make a lot of sense. But... The consumers aren't buying enough of them, and that's why. I mean, look, if these automakers had a return on their investment to the point where it's like, yeah, let's keep building them, then they would make a new version of them, but they're not, and that's a shame. Now, we have personal experience in different ways with the Nissan NV uh, 200, and that's because yeah. some of them were converted into, like, micro RVs, which is cool, Um I got to be honest with you, out of all the vans, the NV was always one of those that I kind of shrugged at. I've driven a few of them. Uh, not a lot of power and not a lot of go. Uh, CBT was part of the issue. 
basically it's something similar to driving like a Sentra with that's a box fan, um, but very utilitarian. And they were very inexpensive to buy too, and pretty cheap to run. Uh, we did an Ike Gauntlet actually with the Ram Promaster City. We did, yeah. And it did well. It actually we actually had it tow up the hill, which looked weird with the trailer we put on it, but it worked. Yeah, totally. And I think I mean in other markets, Asia. <clears throat> and and Europe, right? Mm -hmm. These smaller vans are very very popular. I think it has to do with their streets are smaller, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, their streets are narrower in those in those cities, and but on our east coast, our streets are also narrow. Yeah, and there are many other areas where this could be valuable. Well, even parking in a major, you know, metro, look at it this way: uh, parking in Denver is a pain. <clears throat> downtown Denver, these little guys take up as much space as a small sedan. And so parking these is really easy. Um, I really wished, and unfortunately it never really came to fruition here in the United States, uh, that they converted some of these little vans into small RVs, similar to the ones that we see in Europe and Asia. My reasoning is just like it is, has always been, to make them less expensive. I mean, you're spending 70 to 150 grand to get the larger vans converted into RVs. These... I think would cost a lot less, and it would have been really cool. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Um, the uh, Ford that was an interesting failure. Actually, there's a double failure with the Ford. Which one? The uh, Transit Connect. Okay. Do you remember when they were supposed to have a diesel? <clears throat> yes. Uh huh. Uh, they announced it. We talked about it. It never came to sale. That announcement was a hell of an announcement too. We were at the Chicago Auto Show. This was about five years ago? Probably, yes. Yeah. Um, and we were waiting for this thing. Uh, there are a lot of things that happened, um, but I won't go into all of them, especially Roman going silverback. Um, but we were there waiting for them to do the announcement, that, you know, a little press event. They brought out Jim Belushi, dressed as a blues brother. Yes. Uh, he was, um, how do I put it, a little off kilter. Um, he even did push-ups. I, I kid you not. Which was impressive by itself. Yeah, well done. Uh, and he danced and he did some singing in front of this van. And it was essentially just a Transit Connect, but it had a diesel in it. And the whole point here was this little van with the European diesel, basically, is what it was, um, was going to get amazing mileage, have really good torque, and it would have been a super van for, you know, the United States. And we were actually pretty excited about it. We were talking about it and even debating whether or not one of us would actually buy one for ourselves. I mean, it was really a cool idea. And nothing. Crickets after that. There must have... I don't know the backstory, everything. We don't work at Ford, obviously. We don't work at Ford. But I'm, I'm sure at some level it was too expensive to do the emissions on this for, you know, California, right. of course, all the other states. And they were probably looking at where the sales direction was going with these vans and diesels in general in the United States. And the diesel hate... Really happened with Dieselgate. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, am I right? Yeah. I mean, we were, everybody was building a diesel version of some vehicle that was going to go into the market prior to that, almost every automaker. And then after that happened, almost everybody pulled them out. And that's including some GM products as well that had some diesel uh, powertrains that just up and disappeared. So going back to the uh, uh, all three of these vans, they all had a lot of potential. Only the, um, Ram, as far as I'm concerned, had um, 
One major issue that we noticed, uh, which was their first generation nine-speed automatic transmission, was very glitchy. But a flash apparently helped a little bit. Uh, and then they had a new generation of nine-speed that when then they're laid out was supposed to be better. But they were all good little vans, and it's a real shame to see them go. The Metris, I actually drove one yeah. at the event. Um, it was a perfectly good van. It was bigger than these. But a little just bit bigger. A little bit. So yeah. they called it like midsize. Right. So these are a little bit more compact, and yeah. Metris was a little bit larger. But still, uh, I, was, I went to the initial event as well. Uh -huh. uh, they also had a drive event in Colorado, in, in Durango. Well, that's right. That's area. right, yeah. And they did say that the Metris would fit in a garage, a standard garage, yep. which is a big selling point at the time. But now, seemingly, most of them are going away. I think you can still find 2023 models of some of these. On the, on the lot, you may find a couple of these hanging around. And maybe now is the time to look, you know, because there are no replacements that have been announced for any of these little vans. Yes, full-size vans still are out good, there. Yeah. yeah, they're out there. General Motors makes one, Ford uh, makes one, and uh, Mercedes slash... Well, Ram doesn't. Yeah. No, Ram. The big ProMaster is still the big ProMaster is yeah. still being made. Okay, yeah. And we actually recently got an email from one of our viewers, and mm -hmm. actually I've seen it from several viewers and listeners. Is that people who try to buy a full size van are struggling because big corporations are buying so many of them, like yes. Amazon, Amazon and FedEx yeah. and UPS, that actual private citizens are having trouble finding vans. So that's a big issue. So perhaps if you're willing to scale it down a little bit, you may find one of these on the lot and or buy one of these lightly used, perhaps, <laughs> and, and, and you know make do with that. I, I, as I said, I really like the fact that these things were so maneuverable and they were so efficient and inexpensive compared to the big guys. So it's a real shame. And it is a failure, I think. Uh, I'm, I wish they would have found a way to keep these things going. <clears throat> Should we move on? Yes, and this has to do partially with a vehicle you own, except you don't own this transmission. No, although TFL did own it. Yes. Okay, and what we're talking about is the Hyundai Santa Cruz, and its biggest failure uh, was its initial model with the dual-clutch transmission. It's an eight-speed, and it took us three recalls with the one that we had before they got it right. Um, and the problem with it was the... The transmission itself <clears throat> failed and had a failure rate that was very high to the point where in some cases I heard stories that the warning would come up and give you what? I don't know, like some sort of 60 seconds to pull over? Pull over immediately or, or else and yeah. the car is going to shut down. So if you're on the highway and you weren't paying attention, you're in deep trouble. Um, and these weren't cars that uh, you really wanted to stop in the middle of the highway, all right? So it, now I'm not talking about the automatic transmission. I'm only talking about the dual clutch yeah. eight and, speed. And they have since fixed it. And, and we experienced that fix. We did. We yeah. experienced all three recalls leading up to f the first recall made it worse. I think if you recall. What actually was like rough shifting. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, really it wasn't shifting right. Yeah. It, it, everything felt <clears throat> off about it. Second recall fixed the first recall, bringing it back to the way it was before, I think, which was still not good. And then finally, this third recall, which happened the last, say, four months while we uh, owned the vehicle, because we had it for a little over a year, um, it, it took care of it. It really did. And it ran mm -hmm. so much better. And it shifted pretty smooth. And it did everything it was supposed to do from the beginning. And I think, here's my thing. Uh, I believe that pickup trucks and dual-clutch transmissions are probably should not be married. I agree 100%. Um, 
And I think a pickup truck and a CVT should not, never be married. That I agree with um, as well. So uh, dual clutches are good for what, right? They were born really on the racetrack. Yeah, right? they're good for performance. Yeah, quick shifting because mm -hmm. you can pre-select the gear and have another one ready. Yep. And very, very quick shifting. And if you have a strong engine, a performance car or a truck could be good. But in the daily driving, we don't race pickup trucks. No, we don't. Um, and in addition, it, when we started driving the uh, Hyundai, there was a bit of a lag when you would take off from the line, and it wasn't the turbocharger spooling up. It was actually the transmission kind of grabbing and slowly getting it going. It was just a very um, – it was an unusual pairing because the turbocharged engine in the Hyundai is actually pretty powerful. I mean, it moves. It's oh, yeah. nearly 100 horsepower more, I believe, than the uh, naturally aspirated one that I have. However, the bottom line is that – that powertrain seems like it would be better suited with the regular eight-speed automatic transmission, which Hyundai may or may not do in the future. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see, right? Yeah, although they have a history of doing that with other vehicles, Hyundai Kia. They actually, Shifting transmissions? Changing transmissions, changing, yeah. yes. They actually did that with the, uh, there's a small crossover um, recently where they took out the dual clutch and they put an automatic transmission, but they kept the turbocharged engine. What is it, the Kona or something? No, no. not the Kona. Uh, Tucson? No, not the Tucson. It's, a, it's the Kia. Seltos? Um, Seltos, that's it. Oh. Yeah, Tommy did a story on it, too. <clears throat> yep. And uh, according to Tommy, all fixed. Ran way better than it did before. So anyway, they have a history of doing this. So well, let's see if they actually do it with some of their other vehicles. But finally, you know, just to, there's one other thing I want to quickly add about the Hyundai. Yeah. They also had a recall. Actually, two recalls. Um, both of which had no fixes. Mm -hmm. So imagine having a recall, and you're like, uh-oh, i got to bring my vehicle in, something's wrong. And then they're like, well, yeah, but we don't have anything to fix it. Well, here's the good news. Both recalls for the Santa Cruz, the recent one, were uh, ones that won't affect the driving of the vehicle. The first one is for the wiring harness for the trailer, and they have no fix for it yet which is annoying because I own one of these things, and as such, it means I can't tow, which sucks. Second thing, recent recall for the guides. Um, what are those rubber things on the roof of your vehicle that go or across? The like rails? The gutter, gutter rails. Yeah. Yeah, but there's the, it's the rubber around it. Okay. And that rubber according to some people, comes up. It actually, uh, the adhesive or whatever holds it in place. Also, it creates like noise or something? Right, but also it means water gets in there and stuff like that. <clears throat> and there's no fix for that currently. Um, and they essentially, all they'll do is examine your vehicle and say whether or not it's a problem. And in my case, it's not a problem, but other people, maybe it is a problem, whatever. So having these half-assed solutions or no solutions for these recalls is extremely annoying. So that's another part of that flop I want to throw out there. Sure. All right, let's move on to the next one. Absolutely. And this has this is the Ram truck e-torque technology. Whew. So when it first launched, and it launched in 2018, and then we immediately ran out and bought one of these. Oh, yeah. Um, because uh, we talked Roman into it. Mm -hmm. uh, we really wanted to experience the new Ram e-torque. So we purchased the 2019 Ram 1500 Hemi. Rebel. Rebel e-torque. Yep. E there's a good truck too, by the way. Just, yeah. Just to, just and we've to had throw it for a long out. time. Yeah, we did. Uh, it was it was a really good truck. However, the e-torque system, which is a mild, very mild hybrid system, 
Um, and it's a start-stop system, all kind of in one thing. It's not a full hybrid. No. So definition of a full hybrid is that the vehicle will be able to drive either on gasoline to, uh, power or, or electric power yeah. for a limited distance. Mm-hmm. But e-torques are mild hybrids, not full hybrids. Mm-hmm. So that electric motor that's actually connected to the system via the serpentine belt right, um, just helps out a little bit. Supposed to help out a little yeah. bit. Or it, sh- it should increase, in theory, it would increase efficiency. It also will fix or help the start-stop system to be very, very smooth, which it did, actually. Which it did that. I will give it yeah. that. It, it did that just fine. Now, what it basically, think about it this way. When you're just getting off the line, pulling away from a red light, and you're heading off <clears> into traffic, the e-torque system is supposed to take up a little bit of that slack in order to make your engine stress a little bit less in acceleration early. Mm-hmm. Not not for performance. This is just for efficiency. And honestly, uh, after all these years with e-torque, and it's been a while, I have not seen any appreciable difference between the regular 5.7 liter Hemi and one with the e-torque system. Um, I, I've looked it up online. I've actually done some research well, and talked to you. We experienced this ourselves. Exactly. Because remember driving that Rebel to Moab mm-hmm. uh, with Roman and the team, and yeah. we did not get any better efficiency than before with other trucks. That is correct. Um, with other driving the equivalent Rebels. Yeah, driving cross states. Yeah. Right? It just it's it's really it's it considering that you're. Technically, we're paying a premium for the e-torque system. I don't remember what the premium was. And they made it cheaper and cheaper. They, they over did the make years. it cheaper and cheaper because I think they realized, oh, we got something that doesn't really do a whole lot. I mean, if they took the name e-torque off it and just had it a stop-start system, that would have been just fine, and nobody would have you know cared. But I, I think that part of this was for EPA. Oh, and there was yes, and there was a recall because there's some stalling issues. <clears throat> yeah, so it's it's having since then. So this was a t- April 2023 mm-hmm. uh, recall announced for some 2021 model year Ram e-torque vehicles um, with stalling issues. Mm-hmm. So it, it's had some reliability concerns as yep. well. Yep, it has. And I remember talking to their engineering team about this because they had a choice of many different technologies in front of them. Right? Sure. And I think one of the reasons was the low price because they didn't want to charge like diesel prices for this technology, right? Sure. But I think what we've learned since then, since 2018, is that I think Ford F-150 Hybrid got it the best. Without a doubt. So yes, the F-150 Hybrid costs more, yes. right? Because it has a larger battery, it has a larger electric motor, uh, the electric motor is sandwiched between the engine and the transmission. Mm-hmm. but. I had a wonderful experience with mine. Yes, you did. It was fast. It was efficient in the city. Had regen braking. Uh, the power I, I, thing, too. And it had 7.2 kilowatts of export power. Yes. Holy mother. So it could work like essentially a generator, which yes. was fantastic. Which eTorque cannot do. No, so. e- eTorque doesn't do any of that. Uh, eTorque is a low-tech uh, solution to an, a problem that, uh, unfortunately, it didn't quite fix. Uh, I didn't, I didn't quite, it just did not fix. And I know that they've learned their lesson because the newer tech they're working with with the upcoming hurricane, supposed to be adaptable with a hybrid system, is not an e-torque system. They straight out said mm-hmm. that. It's not e-torque. So we'll have to wait for that. We'll have to wait and see exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, because it's not going to be 2024 model year. Mm-hmm. It'll be 2025 model year. Yeah. So I think you and I will have to wait another year. Oh, 
But before we go any further, what? I do want to address something. I mentioned the ram and the and the hurricane, right? Yeah. Don't we have a video where we're talking about that? Yes, we have a recent yes. video. So look for that. AllTFL.com. Uh, AllTFL.com. I think Andre and Roman, uh, in between Roman taking Geritol and Andre t you know, drinking too much uh, whiskey, uh, <laughs> sat down and actually saw mm -hmm. some images and video too? Well, Roman captured the prototype driving right. of 2025 Ram 1500. So check it out on YouTube or AllTFL.com. Um, this was interesting because he captured a new Rebel prototype mm -hmm. and the new regular Ram 1500 mm -hmm. truck. He also saw a TRX there, by the way. Which is interesting. And, and um, so we know for 2024, the TRX continues. Yes. It's still there. And we don't know what will happen to the TRX after 2024 model year. Mm. Will it continue with different powertrains? Will it keep the same Hellcat engine? But at least for 2024, we know that the Hellcat Ram is continuing. Yes. So hallelujah to all of us who love having a big, fat, supercharged, very large Hemi. Yes. And we saw it. Roman saw it being tested right yes. there yeah. in Colorado. So that video is out there. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, let's let's uh, bring the final it on one. down. The final one on this. Um, and I hate to kick them while they're down. But and we've once again speaking of videos, we actually are it's a pretty popular video too, uh, and this is revolving around the Nissan Titan, but specifically the Nissan XD, and in addition, its five-liter V8 Cummins, uh, both of which really were flops. I, I know some of you guys. <coughs> I, I actually got a couple texts from some people who are like, "Dude, my XD is the best vehicle I've ever owned. It is so powerful and so great and so wonderful." I, I'm not putting trying to put you down. We know that they're capable. However, just look at the numbers. They didn't sell. People and I've didn't also have heard them. horror stories. I've heard from, some as well. From, that, from some owners. Yeah. One guy put a camper on that I know, put a camper on it that was overweight and actually uh, the rear axle tanked. Um, so there are... One of my friends, his XD diesel was having so many problems. He was always at the dealer at the shop. You know, either particulate filter or some other emission system on mm. this truck. Yeah, I've heard some issues <laughs> with the 5-liter V8 um, Cummins not being the most um, reliable uh, out there. So there's, there's all this. But in addition, the Nissan XD, in my book, had they not introduced the XD at all, we might still see a Titan today. Well, I, I, that's well my they're own still personal. selling. I think you have to qualify that yes, because yes, yes, they're yes, going yes. away after 2024. Yes. Yes. So he, he, look at it in the long view. Um, the second generation, when, when the Titan second generation came out, they brought out first for us the XD, and then they brought out the half ton, which was really weird, but I guess they were trying to really pitch this thing. And even when it came out, as, as you know, we were kind of like, hey, this is great. This is going to, oh, wait, wait a minute. It, it doesn't have the capacity that we thought. It doesn't have the ability that we thought. Or efficiency that we or thought. Or the efficiency. It, yeah. it just was a dud. And they kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it all the way up to now, basically. I mean, you could still technically go out and buy an XD. So I think that that sapped some of the sales, but also some of the thunder from the half-ton Nissan... The regular Titan. Titan, exactly. Yeah. And the Nissan Titan needed that. It needed every ounce of positive mojo it could get. And by having this XD, unfortunately, 
Once again, I know it has some decent numbers behind it and it has a beefy frame, but I think that Nissan made a huge mistake by just bringing this thing out in the first place. I think the XT should have been left alone as it was as a half-ton truck. Well, there you have it. Yeah. I mean, the XD really, I mean, the best part about it was, for me, the stability of it, yeah. right? Because it has a longer wheelbase, really well. longer wheelbase, really heavy frame. It didn't care when you put 10,000 pounds behind it. But if you look at the heavy-duty trucks that it could have competed with, those can tell, tow 20,000 pounds, so double, nearly double of what the XD was capable of. And that price delta between the two... Was, was not very big it at all. Exactly. Yeah. And that was what kept just shooting me in the foot. It's like, damn. Yet, it was a lot more expensive than the regular Nissan Titan. And so I, I just had a, such a hard time justifying this thing. Now, uh, there's a guy in Canada who owns one that I know. And he uses he has a lawn and garden business. He started it from one vehicle. <clears> he's got like 12 now. So he's got to you know, really open oh, it up. Okay. And one of the vehicles he uses is the Titan, and specifically to tow like some of the heavier lawn and, or, or equipment you know, and everything. And he adores it, adores it. Says it hasn't gone wrong yet. However, he doesn't have the Cummins. He mm. has the, five, the endurance. Yes, engine. that's right. He has the okay. endurance in there. And he says that sometimes it does get a little overtaxed. So, okay. you know, and it's like, would that be an issue with you know, a, a heavy-duty truck? No, it wouldn't. You know, it wouldn't. It simply wouldn't. So, once again, not I hate kicking Nissan when they're down. And we do truly like the Titan, but the Titan XD we think was a flop and a mistake. Yes. So, so that's our list for this episode. It is. Um, so let us know. Would you agree with some of these? Would you add more? Exactly. To this? What do you have to add to this list? I bet you a few. Now we're not talking about stuff that happened. You know, we're not talking about the Nissan or Nissan, the the uh, Lincoln Blackwood. Okay, we're not going back that well, far. Well, yeah, we could go back we 20, ease, 30, oh, 40 there's years. There's plenty that we could find from the past. We're just talking about within the past couple of years. Uh, that's why this list exists. So, just for the past couple of years, what would you guys add to this <clears> list? Or do you want to debate any of these and perhaps uh, you have a different perspective on them? Let us know. Yeah, I appreciate it. And once again, thanks to our supporters. Yes, thank you. Um, Patreon.com slash TFLcar. Um, if you have a comment or question, we'll either respond to you directly there or we'll discuss it right here on the podcast. That's right, guys. Have a wonderful week. Be safe.